Happy Holidays from the DSR Network. We are deeply appreciative of our members and the year that we've had. To celebrate the holiday season, we are offering a 50% discount on either your first month or first year of membership. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the members-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of December, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month or for the first year. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSRHOLIDAY at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code DSRHOLIDAY. Thank you very much for your support. Welcome to The Secret Life of Cookies, where we try to solve the world's problems through the miracle of carbohydrates, one recipe at a time, with host Marissa Rothkoff and her dog, Bosco. Hello, everybody, and welcome, not just to any episode, but the third anniversary episode of The Secret Life of Cookies. Three, count them three years. It's been a pretty wonderful couple of years, thanks to all the very wonderful people who have come on the show. But obviously, more importantly, it's you guys, the listeners, who make doing this podcast such a joy. I love to get your feedback, so please keep it coming. Tell me what you want to look forward to in the new year. Should we have video? What should we do? Let me know. Um, give me some feedback. I'd love to hear it. Um, on my first episode way back in December, 2020, my guest was comedian, Kathy Griffin, who I taught to make lemon bars. Today, my guest is also a comedian and pundit and radio and podcast host. I am pleased to present my guest today, host of the podcast, Stand Up with Pete Dominic, and with a new comedy special out this week, why Yes, it's Mr. Pete Dominic. But before we get making a raspberry crisp and trying to sort out the world's problems, a bit of housekeeping. All the recipes for the podcast and links can be found on my Substack newsletter at marissarothkopf.substack.com, along with a gigantic archive of recipes and stories of American kitchen history. And not to mention, an enormous cache of cookie recipes for all of your holiday baking needs, including the debut of a spiced rye flour chocolate chip cookie with cardamom. It's really nifty. It has chunks of chocolate in it that get all gooey. and me- Well, you know what I'm saying. Go to my Substack. You'll find the recipe there. Um, on my newsletter, you can support my work with a subscription for $5 a month. Or if that's not possible yet, you can subscribe for free. And please don't forget to join Deep State Radio as a member for special perks. Either way, I'm grateful for your support. Now let's meet Pete. Welcome to The Secret Life of Cookies. I have a very special guest today. Special for a lot of reasons, but I would say most special because usually you can find this man in his shed. But today we find him <laughs> we find him in a different place. There are more than one place where you can find Pete Dominic, my guest. And today we find him where? Not in the shed, but I'm in the kitchen. He's in the kitchen. Marissa, this is a really scary 
unsafe feeling for me. I feel in the confines of my shed, protected, not judged. Uh, I feel feared. <laughs> While in the shed here, I feel vulnerable. I feel insecure. And I am only here because you are the Jedi and I'm here for your guidance. I want to be better. Thank you for having me. Those are so many important words right there. One, vulnerable. I love when somebody on my show feels vulnerable, weak, and in my control. So thank you for making this possible for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the three of you out there who don't know, and for all of you out there who do know, Mr. Pete Dominic, you have a long career in comedy, activism, being generally just a very, very smart human being, but also <laughs> I wish you could see Pete's face right now. It really does look smart. But he um, is also the host of Stand Up with Pete Dominic, which is where you find him every day in his shed, interviewing truly the most interesting, wonderful, notable people, aside from my brother, David, who's appeared on your podcast. And na na na, now you're on mine. Yes. And unfortunately, he is, uh, he's really exceeded his. <laughs> his time on the show. He's been on like 72 times in just the last yeah. year and people are all rough cuffed out and uh, I've, I've quit him <laughs> is what I like to say to him to keep him uncomfortable, to keep him always performing at his best on my program, even though he has so many of his own. I love David Rothkopf. He's brilliant. And uh, even more so Marissa Rothkopf, because I'm talking to her <laughs> and any of the other, the family by the way. But thank you very much for your, your kind and generous words about me and my career. I measure intelligence. I twinged at that when mm. you said I'm smart. I still feel a bit of an, an imposter because I had poor grades in high school, although I never missed a day because every day was an opportunity to perform <laughs> and meet people. And I love people. And I did everything <laughs> it, it possibly available in high school. But more importantly, because you know, I went to, I had poor grades. I had poor SAT scores. Uh, below average, maybe average, below mm -hmm. average SAT scores. And to be fair, it's because I had a stromboli the night before. And I tell <laughs> you that to, if there are any young people listening, consider that meal the night before and where it shows up during mm -hmm. the test. And then, but finally, I mean, I only went to an associate, uh, a, a two-year college, a junior college. I, I got an associate's degree and then I left and went to New York City to pursue a career in stand-up because that was all I ever wanted to do. And so my intellect is just about my curiosity and only driven by that. So I interview smart people every day and have for over, I don't know, 12 years. I picked up a little, but a lot. I don't retain most of it. And that's why I wasn't a good student because testing is a stupid way to measure intelligence. Testing is a dumb, bad idea. It makes kids feel stupid even when they're not. My child, Oliver, is literally in school right now railing against the tests that he has to take right now yeah. in class because yeah. he also agrees with you. It is a terrible way to test, uh, to, to measure a student's knowledge. And in this week where many people of the senior um, level of high school are getting um, the worst uh, initialed thing, the ED response, which really, my God, does that change in your lifetime what ED means to you? But the... <laughs> okay. You Go thought ahead. ED December 15th was bad? Wait. Um, right, right. I, I feel so um, bad for kids today because it's not about even if you've worked so hard, even if you're the best kid on test, even if you've done all these yeah. things, it's a lottery. You know, 
Yale got the most people ever in its life applying for ED. All they, they can't even process them all in time. Um, it's a horrifying situation out there. And if you pass a senior on your way, uh, maybe you meet them at the CVS, um, anything, just just give them a nickel, buy them a chocolate bar, do something, because it's a really stinky world out there for them. You have teenagers and, and high yeah. college kids, so you know. Yeah, my daughter is a freshman in college, just finished her first semester home for the holidays. Very excited to have her back. And my other daughter is in 10th grade and doing really, really well, works super hard and is excelling and evolves and, and everything reminds me. Of yeah. Me. Mm -hmm. But she gets good grades and I did. She actually gets really good grades. She actually does it all. I, I, I worried she might be someone like me that worked pretty hard, but just couldn't, didn't do well in tests and didn't perform well in that atmosphere. And as I, you know, as I got older, I realized I learned from talking to people. And so my show is interviewing experts, journalists, scholars, scientists, physicians, artists, and more throughout the years. And I just prepare like a final. Yeah, like a test to talk to a person so I can ask the best, most interesting questions, lead them and my audience to learning something and hopefully being slightly entertained, you know, keeping it moving. And that's that's what I that's where I have learned in that school by talking to experts. That's how I learn. I can't sit here and watch someone lecture and I got to sit in this dumb desk and I'm looking over at that beautiful girl and and then thinking, oh, I wonder if she'll date me. And I'm looking over at that guy and thinking, oh, why? Why is he so awesome? Why can't I be as great? Like all those things, I'm squirming, I'm everything. I can't learn that way, but I have learned well by asking people questions. And that's what I do for a living. And I love it. I know that you do too, because I've, I've, I've heard you talk about this. I did prepare. You love the interviewing part of your work and always have. Always well. have. That's my favorite part. If I didn't have, like going from journalism where you do an interview and you have to sort of write it up and stuff versus doing it here. And then it's like, in a sense, done my greatest pleasure this is how i want to do everything right um and yeah. I, I think a shout out to different forms and different ways of learning so speaking of learning i bet you're going to be pretty good you requested as you know we cook here on this podcast and talk about the important things that happen uh, over the week and in the world and over the years maybe even 400 years ago we can go wherever we want to but we're going to start by getting our hands busy, because I find that actually helps focus my brain, my curious little brain. And you asked for a fantastic recipe. I mean, I don't know yeah. if it's fantastic. I, the proof will literally be in the sort of pudding, but it'll be in the apple raspberry crisp or the raspberry crisp. We're going to make a fruit dessert, which is a great thing to make, I think, actually this time of year, because it's really simple and it's not too, not too heavy. You don't want that. You know, it's a lot of heavy food this time of year. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's a, it's my favorite dessert. And so it's a good time. Any time of year, you're already starting to talk in a higher brow language, like about what's appropriate mm -hmm. during certain times of year. I'm only just coming to that at age 48. Mm -hmm. And I really am enjoying it. But I don't know, like, I, I can hear you talk about it. But I can't be like, oh, you know, when it's great to have stew? <laughs> June. What? No, it's not. No one makes. What are you talking? No with one you? makes stew in June. You're right. You can always call me if you have a concern, or just text me. Okay, because I don't. I don't want you to make those mistakes. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna make. I don't know the rules. <laughs> we it, we can learn them. Um, everybody can learn to cook, which is sort of my whole belief system. Um, 
you asked for a raspberry crisp. I insisted we add apples to it just to, um, cause apples do something very interesting, which is add pectin, which will help sort of keep it all together a little bit. And, um, we're also adding cornstarch to it to help give it some sort of body. I mean, it's not going to be like a girdle. It's not going to be like, you know, like a physical girdle for the food, but it will like a shaper, you know, you familiar with different sorts of women's um, underwear that helps shape their bodies. No. Anyway. Yeah. I'm wearing, I'm, I'm actually, I'm wearing them now, but that's neither here nor there. I, I wasn't sure about the cornstarch's necessity. Uh, and when you refer to it as such, now I'm, I'm understanding it. And I'm wondering, maybe I, and now I'm worried immediately. Maybe I didn't have enough, add enough body. Maybe there's not enough cornstarch. I think I measured appropriately, but what if there's not enough body in my, in my crumb? I think the nice thing is that's why we always, um, if we have like a sea of raspberry juice and you put a scoop of vanilla ice cream on it, you have sort of a very nice deconstructed sundae. Got it. Okay. Well, I did get ice cream <laughs> on your suggestion. I don't like to keep it in the house because of what I do to it. <laughs> And it to me. It's must be sort of mutual, right? <laughs> yeah, I ate the pint uh, with the the packaging. On. You still eat the top too, because I find that very chewy. Yeah, it is chewy. It's not great, but that's my penalty. I guess you know. I guess you sort of deserve that, or do you? I don't think so. Um, let's get making, and then we'll get then we'll get talking because I'm from okay. Jersey. Okay. Okay. Um, I have a pile of apples in front of me, cut into very small cubes. What do you have in front of you? I I also have that. I'm going to change my camera angle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to switch it around. I was prepared just oh, for this, this moment. This is amazing. And so I've got the the food prepared, and hopefully uh, this will oh. work. And I think you know, if you share this ever with anybody, the video, uh, they'll see how well I'm doing in terms of financially uh, based on the kitchen. I think we judge people's definitely, kitchens. you know, you'll see my back, you'll see my back splash maybe. And you'll say, now there's a guy who's had a lot of success. That is um, his house. For those of you who won't see the video screams of success. He has a stove. He has what I, from what I can see a microwave and a coffee maker and some That's attractive right. light Oak wood panel. Um, uh, shaker style. But describe what you're not. De- describe what you're maybe avoiding is the team of people bustling back and forth. Those are that's our, our it's help. It's true. It's wonderful to have that sort of help. I have the same one here. I've been dressed professionally. My hair has been each mm-hmm. curl. I have a different attendant for each curl on my head. I was going to mm-hmm. say. I was going to say that's impressive. But, I, I wouldn't expect anything less by someone who has such a window in her kitchen, mm-hmm. but. Here are my, I'm ready for it. I've got my apples in front of me was your question. Yes. I've got my raspberries, which you said, don't let them thaw out. They're, they're just kind of out of the freezer about an hour ago. Do you think, and then I've got my crumbs. Do you think you could hold that bowl up, those two bowls up for me? Because it was really, it showed a real, um, yeah, look at that. How about three? three? I want three. Oh, someone worked as a waiter. Did you? No, I uh, lied and tried to get a job working as a waiter. And the smart guy who was going to hire me, the manager, said, why don't you carry these three plates? And, I, and my whole body set on fire because I knew he was calling me out. And uh, I tried to carry the three plates. And he said, thanks for coming in. Bye-bye. He said, thanks. Why don't you go into stand-up comedy instead? That's exactly what he said. And you know who that guy was? Louis C.K. Anyway. And you said, anyway. Um, I haven't. I, so it's the simplest dish you could possibly make. Um, sugar, apples, raspberries, not too much sugar, um, lemon juice. And I add lemon zest because I like a little bit of Vava Vavumski in there. 
And um, I don't know if you're capable of talking and um, mixing at the same time, but here's a segue for you. Speaking of Vava Vavumski, you ready? Oh, yeah. um, Colorado. Yeah. Mr. Trump um, saying, yes. no, 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 you can't be on our ballot here in Colorado. That happened yesterday as I was preparing a fine supper for my family. No, I wasn't, but I was watching it gobsmacked. Um, were you surprised by any of this? Not surprised because I followed it closely. I was surprised that it came down when it came last night. But if you followed uh, that case, you knew that it was a possibility. It was originally presented in a paper by these Federalist Society, re conservative Republicans making the case that the Constitution prevented someone who had led an insurrection from being able to be on the ballot. So it started with these conservatives. And then you had a bunch of really smart constitutional liar, uh, liars <laughs> and lawyers uh, jump on board, obviously bring, bring the case uh, where I followed it through the courts up to the Supreme Court. And the arguments that, you know, and that, that they made and the reactions to it uh, have been fast and furious. The arguments that they made were really interesting and the reactions to it have been typical. But obviously, you know, MAGA it wants to have a civil war. Trump was all night up all night typing out uh, a screed. But the big question, which is why I don't know how much we, we need to talk about it, is you know, we can all have an answer on what we think the Supreme Court will do, because apparently they're going to take it quick. It's going to go to the Supreme Court. Trump's going to bring it there, obviously. I want to be on the ballot. <laughs> I should be on the ballot in all the states. Any state that doesn't put me on a ballot is, you know, it's a bad state. And I don't think, I think it's now an immigrant state. I think state. it's a state that has uh, bad blood. It's the blood, that, the blood, that, not good blood. The worst blood. The Colorado blood, you know, the Colorado blood, they're very up high. They're very altitude. It's thin. <laughs> And there's, you know, a lot of people there that have come from, you know, those exactly countries. Not. So I think that this, I think the Supreme Court will, uh, is going to have to decide and quickly. And I think most people that I trust that are pretty good with the predictions on this court say that he will be able to be on the ballot in every state. And if he's not, if they decide otherwise, well, then every state is going to bring suit and every state's Supreme Court is going to have to make a decision. And then he might not be on some ballots. And then we have a larger threat of violence, I suppose. And so uh, what is right and just, as David Rothkopf says, might not be popular. He's tweeting along those mm -hmm. lines today. But man, the political outcome, the real world outcome, if he's not allowed to be on the ballot, is something worth talking about. I, I think that is actually the, the greater concern. I mean, I, I would like to sort of go down the lane of saying, oh, look, the Federalist Society actually said, you know, uh, this is this idea that like the it's an originalist idea, right? That um, this guy, you know, if you're going to stand by the constitution, you're going to stand by the 14th amendment. And if you created an insurrection, uh, you know, maybe you shouldn't be president, you know, you can't be president, you can't run for president. But, um, and the court is full of um, people like that who love to tell me that I can't um, do certain things with my body um, or with other people because and the Constitution doesn't have it in it. So it'll be interesting to see them thread that needle. Yes, the uh, the idea that the they refer to themselves as originalists is a, is a really silly thing because if you follow 
their decisions. They often make decisions based on things that have no mention ever in the Constitution. So they're really not originalists except for when they say they are on, say, the Second Amendment. But what about the rest of the Constitution? And so people shouldn't buy that. I've been interviewing Eric Siegel of Georgia State University, whose ideas have become more and more popular. They used to be more radical about the court not being a court. I've been talking to him for over 10 years, and I prescribe to that, you know, and he's got that uh, criticism of originalism and originalists. They really aren't. They are when they say they are, and then they aren't when it's, you know, more convenient for their whatever other ideology they have, free market, real free market capitalism, whatever that is. Whatever that is. Whenever I hear the word originalist, too, though, I always think of like, I don't know, like a Wendy's cheeseburger or something. And it's like, yes, this is the original, you know, or Arby's or something. I don't know why, but I just have this fear. Hmm. I usually, I don't want to upgrade you, but I usually think of impressionist era painters. But, you know, I'm not better than you. (laughs) I'm not saying that. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, Thanks. Uh, Thanks for being my guest on the show and goodbye. Um, (laughs) I have dumped a load of... um, delicious looking fruits into my um, pan here. I've actually put some peaches in mine, but that's only because the um, smoothie fairies in my house uh, actually partook partook of the um, raspberries in my freezer. And I didn't know that. So um, I have an apple raspberry peach. Um, And we were talking about whether it's appropriate to eat stew in June and whether or not it's appropriate to eat peaches in December. Eh, they're frozen. Why not? Um, and now I'm going to get my hands dirty and make the crumble mixture. Have you ever made a crumble mixture? Uh, well, I, you know, my hand is dirty because I've revisited it. I made it earlier. That's so good. And this was the big question for me because I love crumble, but I've never seen it be made. And I did it as you told me to do it. And I'm not sure. I have a lot of concerns. Okay. Tell me about your about concerns. Crumble mixture. And you probably well, ask the questions that people out there want to know about crumble well you said cut uh, a stick of eight teaspoons of butter into 16 pieces eight tablespoons but yes that's correct eight tablespoons into 16 Mm -hmm. pieces yeah and so i did that and then you said it should be a little soft and so i put it in the microwave Mm. for 10 minutes (laughs) no 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 for about 10 it was very cold so i put it in the microwave for 10 seconds so it was just a little softer there were still chunks but then I did dump it in with all of the mixture, uh, the oats and the flour and everything. And, and so now I, it's, it's, it's somewhat clumpy and I'm not sure if that's supposed to be mm. the case. I feel like the, the butter uh, has a lot, you know, it's very chunky. And I just, I'm very, there was earlier, there was a local news team here ridiculing. Oh dear. Before. I'm so, so sorry. Um, I, yeah. I hope that like once the local papers get a wind of it, I think you're sort of sunk and yeah. you should probably take up at the local Marriott because they're going to be surrounding your house. Yeah. That's my concern here. Um, Do you, uh, have you ever eaten a piece of crumb cake? Like with streusel on top of it? Yeah. Does yours look anything like that in your bowl? Yeah, it does. I would say it does, but I feel like I have too many large chunks and not enough small and medium chunks. And those chunks are, are chunks of butter. Ah, then they're, we, they're butter covered. Yeah. In. So we need to make sure those butter chunks turn into a mishmash yeah. of sugar, flour, and butter. Right. So how do I do that at this Let point? Let me show you. 
hands? Oh, look at this. Is there a device? Look at this. There's no device. The device is the one that God gave you. These beautiful, beautiful hands. Um, and it's not, it's age spots. I use, um, no, anyway. Uh, see, I'm. My hands are all scarred up from all of my really manly activities throughout. Yeah, I was wondering, was it alligator wrestling? What kind of, do you, is it true you taught Bear Grylls everything he knows? Uh, that's that's a rumor. I usually save babies from fires a uh -huh, lot. Uh -huh. Not down wells, just fire. Then, yeah, I guess it's either one or the other. Uh, mainly fires. I would run it. I would be the guy they call in to save a baby whenever it was in trouble, right. sometimes in a tree. <laughs> but a lot of hand injuries as a result of, you know, my rugged activities. So, but so yeah. I, I'm using now and I'm in here and I'm just like, I mean, is this all I can do? Is this the only repair? Yeah, no, it's not just the only repair. It's the way to do it. You are now doing the right thing. I didn't go far enough. That's correct. Because you don't want all that butter just melting. You know? Um, speaking of manly activities, you were supposed to be on um, this podcast yesterday, but instead you decided to start, I think, a new podcast called Home Repair with Pete Dominic. Is that true? Well, I've thought about doing a podcast uh, for, for for men to just feel seen <laughs> where they the whole podcast is you tried to do your homework. Or at least you tried. It's not a how to. I'm not telling you how to do it. You'll watch me fail and you'll feel better about your failure, which may have been better or worse. Some a lot of the people watching will, will have lost a, a limb. Uh, you know, I've almost lost. So I had a, yeah, I had a, a big issue. We had what it was a major storm here in the Northeast, which is the weather continues to be just so erratic yes. uh, now for our lives. And, and not so, erotic, uh, the, it's the just war, erratic, correct? Well, for some people, you know, everybody's got their kink. Uh, some, some people are in the, cl the climate crisis, apparently. <laughs> like, ooh, it's so, I love the way California is turning into a desert, turns me on. So, you know, anyway, I, I was out there. Uh, I got water in the basement and under the uh, it's a finished basement. So under the see how rich he is, everybody doing very doing well. very well. Doing very well. His basement is finished. And so carpet or now, carpet in your basement. Yeah. No, we have those uh, the, the fake wood. Ooh, yeah. Vinyl yep. stuff, those strips that make it look like you're doing better than you yep. are. And the water got in there, but not too far. And I attacked it from the outside and the inside. I think I've made some progress. Maybe I solved it. But like I said, I probably made it worse. Just like my crumble. Now my crumble is larger chunks. I No, you up. did not. Now you just have a little fun and crumble it up. I need like watch, like watch. I'm going to do just what you did. Everybody, I'm taking a lump of mine, look, and I'm going to make a big, ugly ball of it, just like you did. See? Now it's cookie dough. Oh. That's, and then I'm just going to take yeah, it, watch, and I'm going to crumble it over the top of my crumble because you can crumble it. Look at that. Yes. Great motion. You can have big chunks. Okay. So I have to put my... I have to put my apples and my uh, my apples and my raspberries in it. Yeah. I would put them on the bottom of the pan. Okay, so my pan has been buttered because you told me I to did. do that. And oh, nice pan. Mm -hmm. I tried it. Okay, is that a nice pan? You said 8 by 10 and as a performer, I know what that means because I'm uh, I have a <laughs> So, I'm going to put my apples in there first. You can right? mix them all together. Why don't you mix them all? The, ap the apples, the raspberries, the sugar, the cornstarch. I'm worried that I have too much. Uh, it cooks down. Right. Okay. Well, here we go. 
Okay, everybody, it's happening. This is. Fun. He also has a snowman, um, a, a snowman uh, um, oven glove. I'm noticing that in the background. And his kitchen, for those of you at home who are wondering how well to do is he as I wash my hands, he is, that's the sound you hear, I swear. Um, he's well to do. He's a well to do gentleman <laughs> who um, has a very well decorated home. And a lovely sort of sage yeah. green, maybe on the walls. I think it's a very nice, tasteful color. Yeah, I can't take uh, uh, all credit for that. My wife and partner probably made a lot of those choices. Mm -hmm. And but yeah, I'm big on seasonal decorating. You know, changing a few things here and in, in there. I like change. Um, here I okay, go. did you put the sugar and stuff in? In yeah, already. Oh, earlier, much, much earlier. earlier. Terrific. Beautiful. Look at that. Yeah. And, beautiful. Uh, now he's going to smush it down a little with the back of his spoon. We're getting, oh, that is yeah. beautiful. You know, I'm going to go ahead and get like a better spoon. What do you, how do you feel? I don't about think that? you need to. I just really don't. I think, right. you know, you think of grandma, right. think of grandma back correct. in Indiana and her little farmstead, her little homestead. And she used to make a crumble like this every day just to feed the hands, you know, the cow hands and stuff like that farm hands and just like you feed your staff that dresses you and cleans you and make sure that you look yes michael <laughs> it's almost time to eat <laughs> he's my stylist that's great only the one uh for uh, just on uh that's the yeah, it's wednesday because i knew i was doing this with you how many outfits do I really uh, that's a good need? point um and anyway, and grandma didn't use more than a you know she's not like i'm going to get the special spoon she's like whatever i got that's beautiful. That's uh, beautiful. You're, you're right. Okay. So that's, so it's all flat. It's all out. flattened out. And now and, you're going to take uh, delicious really crumble and you're going to crumble it over the top. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, I almost want to take a picture of this to show people what happened before. I, I definitely think you should. If, because I don't think people will believe you have to understand how this is really foreign to me. <laughs> and, uh, I'm really pretty, it's a pretty big deal. So I just had to take a photo of the fact that it's happened. Okay, now we've got that documented and I will post it on social media because that's the world I live got in. Always doing, always doing. Uh, yeah. Okay, so now I'm crumbling over and it's so big and chunky. So you can dechunkify it, just like little teeny bits. Okay. Okay. And I bet at the bottom of the dish, there'll be little crumbly bits, little different sizes. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the fun of it, I think. You're making a streusel topping. You want different mouth feels. Oh. Isn't that a nice expression? I'll tell you what I don't what? love uh, how it feels is the word streusel. I don't usually get uncomfortable with words the way some people yeah, do. Yeah, but streusel? Streusel. You're not from around here? Maybe it's because it's German. Ja, das streusel. Maybe it's because it's German. Yeah, but wait, the word streusel brings so many good connotations. I mean, it has the, it, the promise yes. of coffee cake, New Jersey coffee cake with Big, thick mm -hmm. lumps of streusel. The best cakes have streusel. My mom used to hit me with one, and maybe that explains She used to it. throw streusel at you. Is that it? She did, right in my eyeball. Oh, my God. That explains so much. So, um, yes, it does. It does. <laughs> I'm crumbling. I'm crumbling. So I, I think there was a brilliant idea that's going to make you even more well-to-do if you go through with it, which is mm -hmm. creating, I think, a YouTube channel that is at least I tried and getting <laughs> and getting you'll get, <laughs> you know, it'll be like yes. jackass for suburban dads 
and um, other homeowners. Doesn't have to be dads, doesn't have to be men, but it's at least you tried, you know. I tried to hook up the gas to my house um, to this for the new stove, but didn't really do it correctly. My house blew up. At least Maybe I tried. You shouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, I love everything except for that specific episode. Oh, okay. I think maybe we should let somebody else hook up the gas. <laughs> At least I tried. That that one never airs cuz uh Bruce is dead. Bruce is dead. He yeah, he was smoking a joint while he was trying to hook up the gas and the one thing led to another. You know, I think there is a lot of anxiety and I think a lot about this uh for for men of, of any age when and I have a lot of this in my new stand-up special uh, about trying to be take care of your home. If you're a homeowner, all of a sudden, no one told you, you've got to take care of it. Well, I don't have that set of skills. I certainly hope I make enough money to pay someone to do everything. But at some point, you may or may not mm -hmm. do that. And at some point, you want to be able to fix the little things. It's more annoying to hire somebody than to do it yourself. But there's a lot of anxiety for men around for, for those of us who uh, don't have that that set of skills and have to learn them. And of course, that's what YouTube is, is really for. You can find just about anything you need. Mm -hmm. Oh, you got to put a new lock on your front door on YouTube. And I think, you know, it's really interesting the way it's kind of changed how, you know, people of different genders can, you know, if you're a single woman living yep. alone, you don't have to hire some guy who's a handyman. You can actually go on YouTube. You know, it, it doesn't take, it, it does, it's not about gender. It's just about whether you learn that or not growing yep. up. And so there's a lot of like inherent sexism in it, but I'm just talking about men. I'm talking about those of us men mm -hmm. who, didn't make enough crumble to cover their fruit. That is a really going to be a very hard thing for, for us. <laughs> that is going to be a hard thing. Did you not make enough crumble? Because it's possible. It's possible. Because yeah. Um, yeah. what I would say to you is you could just. It's a thin layer, Marissa. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's okay. Some of the fruit can show through. You're not making a cake batter. Oh my God. That's going to be beautiful. That is beautiful. Sure? No, I'm so. It's very thin. I need to. No, I no, need to spread no. It out. I know. I think it's through. really good. No, oh, no. Okay, now Pete has started to organize oh, them by size and Marissa, shape, and that's going to the judgments. <laughs> the people going to judge. No, me no. It is beautiful. Everyone, just I yes. want you to know it's beautiful. He'll be posting I'm these no pictures. Kind of man, <laughs> at least you tried, Pete. Um, I, did you just say I'm not? No, no, no. Did you actually just say I'm not <laughs> no, enough? I, said, I, I thought I, I heard said that. My husband is better than you. No, I said. I'm sorry. Well, that's, that's, I, what, what did I say? Shocking. <laughs> that's shocking. Really? Has he ever made this kind of a, a crumble? A crumble. This, your husband always covers the fruit. <laughs> um, I would say that I married an engineer for a reason. And at oh, one point God. early on yeah, in the days of blogdom, I said, I'm going to start a blog called Sugar and Spouse. And it's going to be me trying to teach my very methodical husband how to cook and interesting um then i then then no we decided that we had better things to do with our lives and i now i just do this which is better believe me well as long as that whatever's best for the marriage is what i think uh, exactly <laughs> but the fact that anybody would be a willing participant to learn a new thing from their spouse <laughs> is a sign of a healthy marriage <laughs> thank you very much um i think you're right um, hi, honey. Um, question um, for you. Um, we also, um, this time of year for me is final exam time. For those of you who may or may not know, I teach 
uh, journalism at the Institute for, no, for, at Montclair State University. And um, I, every semester I teach an intro to journalism course and I give often, I've recently started giving the same exam, although there are different options. So if you're a future student of mine, there are lots of different options. I might throw something different at you. But the one I really, really um, loved giving is I send them out with the question, what do um, people think of the news media? We've spent we spend a whole semester talking about the news, talking about the news media, mm. but also learning how to be journalists and how important it is to have journalists in the world. And then I send them out and I ask them to interview people and find out what they think of the news and to compare it to national polls by Pew and Night Gallup and see how their friends and their family compare. And do you want to guess at some of the responses of, uh, I mean, you have a college age student and a teenager yourself. Do you want to guess at some of the reactions to, whether or not they watch the news or experience the news, let's just call it experiencing the news in some way. I would, I would guess they're very limited. Correct. And low. <laughs> yeah. And and they're getting most of their information from places like the highly reliable TikTok. Yes, TikTok. Um, yeah. So their sources, they don't believe the the they believe CNN is biased. They many of them ex experience the, the knowledge. I mean, and I say it like this, that Fox is biased, but they like, they appreciate what they have to say because it's nice. They like going to a place that reflects their values. And I'm not talking about my students necessarily, but like members of their family. Every single person has doubts about whether the media is doing a good job or not. Everybody wants to poop on it from a height. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> And I, I wonder, like, you know, what's your personal take on it? Like, the people who surround you, how do they feel about the news media? Well, I think a similar sentiment is always that folks are cynical of news media for any number of reasons that are so easy to argue for and mm -hmm. against. But I think that the more important question is how dangerous it creates for an environment, uh, for a local community. I think it's easiest to talk about my experience in, in my local community. Mm -hmm. We've had uh, several controversies, uh, for example, around the school board is the ones I've been involved with. And the idea of that you're getting reliable information from a local journalist on what was at stake or what this is about much less something else that's affecting the whole town, some kind of development right. project, some kind of environmental issue. If a train blows up in your town, how do you know what exactly the stakes and consequences are? Of course, you've got the government mm -hmm. and what they have an opinion on all of these things. And then you have the fourth estate, journalists, journalism. And their job is supposed to report what is in the public's interest but that, of course, is a fancy <laughs> of the past. Because now the job is to make money and get clicks. And so I always encourage people to ask where they're getting their news from. 
who the person generated is, or now we're all ripping each other off, are generating the income from. Is it advertising? Is it a lot of people don't know when we focus so much on cable news that so much of their money just comes from something called carriage fees, which is they get a few pennies for every single person who has a cable Mm -hmm. account. And if they are on that platform, whatever major cable provider you have, they get paid hundreds of millions of dollars before they make money in advertising, which is why a guy like Tucker Carlson, who had most of his ads banned, was still on in prime time because he was bringing so many people in and to subscribe to Fox News as as they do. So I urge people, all people, to get news about tough, important issues from print journalism, from long articles, investigative journalism. I urge people to find out the funding of that investigative journalism and what their incentives are on television. I don't think it's so easy to be cynical, and that's because I've been involved in every single medium in the entire media atmosphere. Old media, new media. I'm 48. I've been doing this for a long time. So I straddled all of that. I worked at all the cable networks. I had IDs to get me in at MSNBC, at CNN, where I had a contract, uh, at Fox News, where I started, at Sirius XM, where I had a 15-year contract, at Comedy Central. I get the cynicism. But journalism is really important to understand what it is. And the only way to understand any of these difficult issues is to read about them and learn about them in long form. But of course, we bake everything down to strusel and breadcrumbs. And so it can be processed in a, in a soundbite on a TikTok, generate ad revenue, generate subscriptions for our now Substacks and Patreons mm-hmm. and you know YouTube advertising, wherever we're popular. But we really need to be thoughtful and and think long and hard about big, tough issues before we run out and start protesting. I, I completely agree. And we see this happening right now on college campuses where people kind of see a TikTok and they're like, oh my God, this is happening and I better run out and make a, some sounds about it. Um, but college students have been doing that forever. So let me just, you know, it's not, this is not special to like what's going on in Palestine. and Yeah, but college students are always, yeah, but by that, I think you mean college students were always reactive yeah. to what's happening in the world. But in, in, in a different era, uh, the reactions were to a newspaper article, really. To, to, to one source. That had been, right. Yeah, or, or more importantly, to a real thing that happened, the Vietnam War, abortion rights, voting rights. Those were real problems that people had different views on for or against. Now we have people protesting, for example, I'm not obviously talking about the Middle East, that's a real thing. Although people are protesting fake things around it and so on. But I'm talking specifically about say, election denialism or or vaccines, like people are up in arms and running out in the street to scream about a thing, running up in, 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 in the Capitol being arrested over a 1000 of them now, for what? For a thing that didn't happen. They were protesting about a thing that never happened that they were told happened by the then president. And now by anyone from Alex Jones to Elon Musk, it's not happening. And you're running out and getting killed over it, maybe? Or, or getting sent to jail about it, you know, too. I mean, if losing your job, I mean, like you're you're going to go protect the kids who are being kidnapped and trafficked at the mall. No, they're not. You don't need to go. It's OK. You can stay home. Okay. Everything's OK at the mall. <laughs> it's very much OK. No one's going to tuck a $20 bill into your, uh, like, under your car so that you might go under and then they're going to put a cloak over you and... These stories are just fantastic. Um, and by that, I mean fantastic. Yeah, I just had to, I was. In the way of like science fiction is fantastic. Yes. I, I mean, I was, this the perfect example is I was just on a gondola at Killington because as you and your listeners know, very, 
very successful. Very successful. With some of my successful friends. Some guy gets on the gondola. We don't know him. Conversation. Wait, so you wait, so you couldn't buy the gondola just for your friends. You're not that successful. I don't mean to bring could you have, down. Oh, like to like to be with the people. Sorry. Exactly. Like I like to, I, I like to let this kind of thing happen, where someone can get on and tell me within three minutes on the gondola. Did you hear they have kitty litter in the kids' classrooms now because kids no. think they're cats. They identify as cats, and now we are accommodating them so they can go to the bathroom in their kitty litter. You know what I said to that guy? You know what I said to him? I you went, said, "Push." No. <laughs> You said, <laughs> yeah, I opened the door and I said, we don't need you. And I pushed him out. Like, uh, I don't have a, an example Wait. from an action movie, but, but so I, I simply said, and then followed up with more, but I said, no, no, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. Uh, but there is a grain of truth to it. And the grain of truth is very sad. And it's this in America, the leading cause of death for adolescents is gun violence, suicides, accidents, obviously shootings violent shootings. And we all know about the school shootings. And as a result of what we now, this generation, my kids are dealing with and going through lockdowns, they prepare for these things. And so if they have to lock down in their class and turn all the lights off and sit there until it's cleared, maybe that's two hours, maybe that's 10 hours, some child is going to have to go to the bathroom. So apparently some classrooms have taken to keeping a pail or box of kitty litter. So in need be where they're locked down, there would be a sanitary yet humiliating and horrifyingly <laughs> scarring situation for that child to uh, comfort themselves. And that is where that comes from. But it's not, of course, because a kid pretends he's a cat because I told the guy, you know how you know that's not true. It's a health hazard. You can't take crap <laughs> in a first grade classroom. No one allows it because it's against the law. And what did he say? Truly, what did he say? He opened his mind. To be fair, I was hanging him outside the gondola by his ski boot. Okay, but that's but so. But he said, "Yes, I believe you. Pull me back in." Well, so that, those are the kind of tips I'm looking for in how to get kids involved in the news. Because if and you know the numbers of kids voting have gone up. We've got now like fifty percent in the last in the 2020 election mm. younger voters, which is up from 39%. So that's a big deal. Um, but unless, but if they don't know what's going on in the news, how are they going to vote appropriately? And so, you know, it's one thing for me to get my, say, I gather all my kids and come on, let's all go vote. But I also want them to know what they need to vote for. Sure. You know, when, when the, yeah, first, a- when Roe versus Wade was first dismantled a couple of years ago or, Redismant, whatever. Um, the my many of my students had no clue about it and didn't know that there had been a time where there wasn't weren't abortion rights because mm. I live in the state of New Jersey and you know so it, it was not such a big deal. So right. not so well informed. Getting their information off TikTok. How do you create a generation of uh, kids that actually know the news or know the actual news? It's- it's a it's a really important question. I'm sure you have a lot more thoughts than I do working where you work with all these young people at a broadcasting school. My daughter is at Ithaca College. And while she's not studying news, she's more in the entertainment end and, and, and writing fictional narratives and so on. But, you know, that is the news for many those... people, fictional narratives. 
Yes, I mean, Fortunately. for sure it is, and it and it and it sells. And I hope that young people. I, but I think young people are going to have to solve these problems and create credible channels wherever media exists. Because it, it's everywhere now. Anybody can have an affordable high def camera, microphone, and post on any platform. Mm-hmm. So anybody can build an audience. So we're going to have to come up with. And they, more importantly than than our generation, who could rely on editors and journalists with sourcing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they get it wrong, their reputations and careers would be ruined. Potentially, they could go to jail even. And that's you know gonna that's changing. And they're going to have to come up with ways to, I think, rate people's reputations and credibility. Mm-hmm. New new models for creating investigative, credible, reputable information that people feel they they can rely on. And I don't I think we're starting to see some of it in certain ways. And obviously people rise to the top based on how crazy they are or I think often how credible they are, how prescient they've been. I mean if you paid close attention as I did in during COVID, like a whole bunch of epidemiologists became really respected, credible people because what they said was going to happen did mm-hmm. happen. And sometimes that actually does gain you credibility as opposed to always predicting the wrong thing as so many economists and foreign policy experts have, and then getting a raise or a better job. Right. Uh, but I think we, you know, they'll have to come up with that. And I'm excited to see what they come up with. I'm always optimistic. I like that. Not about my crumble though. Do I put this yeah. in the oven now? Is it's the right. oven on? It's on and, and I just heard it ding. Oh, then it must be ready. So, so put it in. Yeah. Is that what it means when the oven dings? Does that mean it's the temperature has reached its I, I, I don't know your oven intimately, but why don't we see? Michael, come <laughs> open the oven. <laughs> Mike, oh, he's on break. He's, he's on, on break. break. Oh, look at that. A man for all seasons. Look at that. Top rack, bottom Mid, rack. Mid, the center. Matter? Too close to the bottom and it will burn. Too close to the top and the top may scorch. And... Always remember, if when you go in and look, and if it's not bubbling, but everything's looking a little dark brown on the top, put a loose piece of foil, loose, I tell you, piece of foil over the top. Do not crimp that. Do not. That will create sweaty streusel. And we do not like, God, you look uncomfortable when I said streusel. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, I do. And now, because I was thinking about the one of the things that can happen with a crumble is how sweaty it might be, how, 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 how um, much juice or something. But that's why you put the, you added the body and the apple. Now, how long? I got to set a time. I got to tell my my servant. Who, by the way, it's so weird that I hired uh, a woman named Alexa, and then Amazon came out with incredible their smartphone. But yeah, it's so weird. But mine. Anyway, how long do I need? To um, tell Siri um, about start with a half an hour and then look. It's probably gonna be about forty five minutes though. But I don't know your oven. Alexa, can you set a timer for? 30 minutes. Morning. morning. And she. I'm good. Alexa, I'm good. Thank you. No, that's fine. I don't need any ideas for music. Thank you. No, I'm talking to my friend Marissa. So if you could just quiet down or I will dock your pay. I will. And guess who won't eat? Your children. That's right. Sorry. No, Alexa, stop. Okay. I'm so sorry about her and that you had to see no, that. It, it's, a, it's, um, it's interesting to see you in that situation but you know i mean people should see the real people um i'm not always the change i want to see not always (laughs) not not with my team at least (laughs) but 
sometimes people who work for us just deserve that because I have so many people. I'm kidding, people. Yes. I'm really. I'm obviously nobody works yes. for me. I clean my own the house. Gardeners. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the gardener. I'm the, my clean the gutters. The whole thing. Um, oh, that's impressive. <laughs> um, okay, my husband does it. Uh, did you hear that? All right, you lied. <laughs> Stolen ballot. Go ahead. Um, I heard a description this morning, and I'd like to, as we come to the close of this fine, fine podcast, um, I, I heard a description this morning of um, Elon Musk, and they were talking about him in this, really, like, you know, oh, look how he does this and that. Yeah. He's such a mercurial fellow, right? And I thought to myself, I don't get to be mercurial right? I get to be ADHD. I get to be scattered. I get to be, oh my God, you changed your mind again. You loser. You know, like, can't you keep a focus on anything? But no, if you're a billionaire, even if you're like creating like flying hibachis on, you know, electric hibachis on wheels, I mean, let's not forget the Pinto. Okay. He's got the newest one with that Tesla thing. Sorry, Tesla owners. I just Yeah. There's new Tesla truck, which doesn't, <laughs> Like doesn't fit together. Like if your kid built it, you'd be like, "Oh, sweetie, why don't we try again?" Because um, yeah, maybe engineering's not your thing. Maybe we should put the Legos down, son. Exactly. Here's a paintbrush. <laughs> you can have a oh, little more. You're not good at that either. You know what? Have you tried languages? Oh dear, this child is really. Everybody, they all find their place eventually. But I. Think but you that, wouldn't that describe your kid as mercurial, but Elon Musk. Gets to be mercurial and it drives me nuts. It's not a word generally that people use to describe themselves, kids, or, or, or other people. I think it sounds like, and I'm, I've looked it up, its definition is characterized by rapid and unpredictable changeableness of mood, a mercurial temper, for example. example. But I think it might tie back with the conversation we were talking about about media. Elon Musk is the most one of the most famous men in the world, one of the most richest men in the world, mm -hmm. and so he's being written about, and one of the most controversial. So he's been written about nonstop. So whatever editor or writer came up with that word to describe him, maybe it's just to make you know a, a new, just a new adjective to describe this guy. I describe him in different words that I won't say on your oh. podcast, but they're much easier and they speak more to me as when I, when I describe him that way. Everybody knows what kind of guy I'm talking about. <laughs> cartoon villain, I think, is the most accurate. I mean, really, cartoon villain. He's a mercurial cartoon villain. All these words do, you know, tie into the back of your playing card if your card game is superheroes and cartoon villains. What kind of per He's mercurial. It, he's <clears throat> a villain of the highest sort, and he's got all of the money to, in the world to support his villain. That is exactly the conversation I had with my daughter this morning. And I said, he's mercurial. And she goes, he's a villain. That's all he is, is a villain. And it's true. Good for, he's her. A <laughs> Good for her. And she's three. I, I know. She's That's amazing. Smart. Even, even the young ones know that Elon Musk is, <laughs> they can see it. They look at his face. Like, I well, think I, that guy might be working with Magneto <laughs> and Thanos. But the truth is, Pete, I think really what you want to get at is it's my parenting, my fine, fine exemplary parenting well you know if you want i don't want to get into the nature nurture argument but sure huh. uh well thanks for being on the podcast um i think it's time for you to go but uh before you leave uh she said in a squeaky high-pitched voice um and you don't have to answer this question but if i answer all the questions <laughs> um 
I have to ask you this as an inter interviewer type person. It, have you ever interviewed Tucker Carlson? We talked about him, and then he, that brought him to my little festering. No. Uh, yeah, yes, I said no, and I, I can't believe it. Yes, he sat down in the studio with me uh, in Siri, at SiriusXM. I have interviewed Tucker Carlson. I was, uh, yeah, my impression, yeah. What was yeah, what, what was your impression? I mean, I think he may have changed over time, too, also. He, he struck me, and I didn't know this. He struck at the you? Time that he, oh, I'm sorry, go on. He just hit me and it didn't hurt because his hand is so, so yeah. soft that it felt like I'd been hit with a pillow. Um, I, di I don't think I knew at the time that he was the wealthy child of a very, very wealthy family, the Swanson, I think, frozen yes. food. Uh, or he, and, um, but he struck me as a rich kid. You know, we're about the same age and the way that he talked and the way to behave and even the way that he dressed to a certain extent was this kind of blue blood affluent prick. Mm. And I immediately didn't like him as a result of that. I mean, I'm generally turned off by those people, even when they're great people and I'm just judging them because they're wearing a, a certain type of loafer <laughs> and work in finance. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you know, they're wearing pink shorts and, and Nantucket, but guess what? I'm in Nantucket too. So who am I to be judging them? I'll tell you better, better. than that. But the point is, like, Obviously. I he struck me as a really rich jerk, and that's the way that he talked too. I mean, we got into it just a little bit about. I think we we're talking about climate, and he talked. About, he loved to talk about how big his Chevy Suburban that he and his wife drove their kids around, even though they only had one kid. Like he's really trying to, you know, needle me that way. And of course, it worked. Uh, and but I just I was very turned off by the way that he didn't seem to care about anyone or anything, and he seemed to just be this rich kid who had never struggled and didn't care about those who do on a, at all. And so it's, it's amazing to watch him be deplatformed de and also have proof that sometimes it works. It really has worked. He was the most dangerous man in America when he was on mm -hmm. Fox news. And now he's talking about reporters and young women the way he used to, and they're not getting death threats. No one even, they didn't even know. Brandy Zadronsny of NBC just wrote about that. And saying it does work. You know, she used to get threats all day long. Her family needed security because he talked about her on Fox News. But guess what? No one's really listening as much as they as they did on that platform. And luckily, Jesse Waters has replaced him. And he is potentially the dumbest person that's ever come near a television camera. And ever, even, even the people, guys like him, even those bros hate him. They're like, come on, man, you're making us look bad. Really? You take your ring off when you go out because you don't want it to get robbed? Really? You said that? That's not something you tell. He said that? On TV. Because I take. he's talking about how high crime is. I take my wedding band off now when I go out. And, you know, he's also, maybe he's cleverer than that, knowing that he's just trolling people. But, yeah, he's he's good. I, I, uh, <laughs> had, I got into it with him. I've got into it with everybody throughout my career. Everybody I've wanted to, pretty much. Yeah, yeah that was actually going to be my question. Is there somebody out there? that you'd like to get into it with? I mean, anyone. I, I love the fight. Bring it. And there's certain people I wouldn't want to get into because I think they're smarter than me. I thought I could take Nuke Ingrid. She wiped the floor with me in my own home. Really? He wasn't, he wasn't right. He was just better than I was. So I learned from that. And I tried to prepare. But no, I mean, I shared a, a studio with Steve Bannon. We shared a studio at SiriusXM for a year, and then one day I showed up. He was uh, in the sh on, on the air on the conservative channel. I was on like a, a news and independent kind of humor channel that I had created there at SiriusXM called Insight, and he was on the Breitbart channel. 
He was in that studio though. Before did he look me, like? Did you have it fumigated because like, you were afraid there was a leper in there? Yeah, well, we were very worried. He had. You get if you get up close to him, you see like a whale has barnacles. He has these barnacles on him, and then there was also like a a series of like muscles, you know, like undersea muscles, not physical human muscles, but like shellfish that would clumped up near his armpit area. But that, that you expected. What I didn't expect is one day I would show up to Sirius XM and he wasn't there. And because he had been hired by the Trump campaign, the guy I saw every morning, dirty Steve, <laughs> sloppy Steve, every morning, he covered in you know his own disgrace, by the way, and just uh, harassing the young female producers in ways that no other men, even the crappy ones acted. He acted that way, yelled at them and touched them. Who touches Ugh. a person at work? He did. He has his hand on the, on the small of a woman's back. I'm like, <gasps> are you serious? Um, and so Ugh. I walk in. He had been hired by the Trump campaign. That's where he was. And I go, I thought he was here. And they said he was. But, and I just, I still can't believe this, and I, that's why we need better journalism. Apparently, he turned into a bat and flew right out the 37th floor window. <laughs> I've, I've heard that too. <laughs> I heard that too. Um, we yeah. all have known for a long time that Rudy Giuliani can do that. I mean, we have seen proof of yeah. that. When, when he tries to turn into a bat, though, it does, like, he stops mid-transformation and starts <laughs> leaking. And then you're like, oh, he's trying to turn into a bat. Look, he's leaking. You know, because he's getting older and he doesn't just have the same sort of like abilities. Um, yeah. Uh, sir, this has been a true pleasure. And I think we should leave people not with the image of delicious fruits bubbling away in the oven, but of leaking Rudy Giuliani. Do you think that's a smart yeah. move or is there something nice we could say? Is, do you have a special yeah. holiday tradition you'd like to share with everybody? Yes. Uh, every year, my family and I sang Silent Night uh, to uh, outside of a synagogue. Um, and it's triggering for some of my Jewish friends. But that's we think my family's hilarious. No, we have no traditions. No, nothing. Now really, you have a you new one. I'm, I'm <laughs> just anti-Semitic, light anti-Semitism, which I, you know, interpret as Humor. humor. Uh, they yeah. don't. So, uh, but they started it w when they uh, kept dropping uh, dreidels off at my home on Christmas morning. My Jewish friends are that was not me. So. I did not do that. No, no, it was it was my buddy. It was my buddy Moishi. He's <laughs> I don't have any friends named Moishi actually, and most of my friends are Jewish. But I just thought it was funnier than my friend Aaron. Yeah, yeah. No, Moishi definitely goes for it, and then no one misses out. Um, knowing that the guy's Jewish. Do you miss out? Do you, uh, growing up Jewish, do, how did you feel about Christmas? It's my favorite question to ask my Jewish friends this time of oh, year. Oh, well, I'll tell you, because um, we grew up as assimilated Jews. My family came as like, most, half of my family were German Jews who'd come in the 1860s and invented Christmas. They immediately came to this country and started the Ethical Culture Society. So my family celebrated christmas like better than any christian your family started the ethical culture society so members of my family did in the end of this podcast and our relationship you are better than me <laughs> you didn't know that earlier but anyway yeah so we had big <laughs> like big christmas day party we had stockings we have and 
I wised up and married a Catholic so I could get a Christmas tree. A Christmas tree was the only thing we didn't have. My mother grew up with a big Christmas tree, big fancy Christmas. But my father, who, you know, sort of like escaped the Holocaust, um, was like, mm, nah, no Christmas trees. Mm. But we still celebrated St. Nicholas Day because that was something. So really, you're a hybrid. You get the best of all of the holidays. Good yep. for you. Good yep. for you. When, when Hannah yeah. Montana sang, it's the best of both worlds. She was talking about me. I think she was. Mm-hmm. I think she was. Thank you so much, Mr. Pete Dominic. I look forward to seeing you outside my synagogue this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, girls. It's time to head down to the synagogue and sing Christian-based music. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow Pete on threads and listen to the Stand Up with Pete Dominic podcast wherever fine pods are potted. You can find his latest comedy special on YouTube. Search up Dry Bar and Pete Dominic. Recipes and links to everything you want, including a link to Pete's new comedy special, can be found at marissarothkopf.substack.com. Have a great week a nifty holiday if that's the kind of thing you're into. And I hope to talk to you all again in the new year. Joy, health, and happiness to all of you.